And if you have your Bibles with you, then I encourage you to turn to Ruth chapter 1. Our reading today is in verse 6 to 22, and Judith is going to come and read it to us. Thank you, Judith. When he heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing foods for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, they left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you, as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women explained, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back 
empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabites, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Thank you, Judith. That was beautifully read. Those of us this morning who are super observant will know that that was the same reading we had last week. But today we're going to think about Ruth's response to Naomi, her clinging commitment and her companionship to go with her mother-in-law back to Bethlehem. But let's just pray together before we go any further. Father God, I just want to thank you for your word, your word spoken in this place, the gift that that is. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and reveal to us today what you have for us. Would it be a word in season for your church? Lord, we want to cling to you. We want to cling to you, Jesus, just like Ruth does to Naomi. We're here to cling to your every word, Lord Jesus. Open our ears our minds and our hearts, as we invite you to come and transform us. This morning we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So same passage, but different, a different character's perspective to think about. And as we do week by, week by week at the moment, we are building up a picture, layer by layer, of this story of Ruth that we are studying together at the moment. At the first week, we understood together, didn't we, that the context of the story, as we thought about the refrain, in those days Israel had no king and they all lived how they saw fit. And this gave us an understanding of how Ruth is set in the days when the judges ruled. And with this reminder together to live for Jesus as the king of kings. And then last week, John helped us in this very same passage understand the multiple losses that Naomi has in her life. The loss of living in her land, the loss of her husband, the loss of her two sons. And we see that this leads to bitterness in her life, understandably, and how that was blinding her from seeing where God may have been at work, his blessing. And as at that point we're introduced to Ruth, her steadfast character and how she becomes this physical blessing for Naomi, how when Naomi is closed off from God, we see Ruth become God's ambassador, if you like. The example, the physical example of God's unconditional love and his sacrificial love as God is holding her in her pain. And John was sharing with us last week, almost shouting God was shouting in her pain, I am with you in this. And today it's in that understanding and with that framework that we carry with us that we ask today about Ruth's remarkable response, asking how her response, her decision to cling to Naomi and accompany her all the way back to Bethlehem, why she does this and what the impact is for her life. We saw how God was at work through Ruth for Naomi. 
But what is going on here for Ruth today, we ask? And I wonder if there are some parallels for us to see about the calling of discipleship that Jesus makes for you and for me in our life today. But my key question this morning surrounds this idea about why did Ruth go with her? Why did she cling to her? Why did she not depart from the story? Was Ruth's claim to go back with her a mere act of kindness? Because isn't it exceptionally kind? Or was it an act of loyalty that she stayed committed? But I'm wondering if there's something richer, something deeper for us in this today. Because I want to suggest that Ruth's claim, her promise, her vow to travel and accompany Naomi back is actually a claim to land, to family and a statement of faith. And I want us to build a case from scripture together as to why I think this might be the case. How this clinging commitment is actually our call to discipleship today. Because I want to suggest all of these things and above. Yes, it's a kind gesture. Yes, it shows her loyalty. But I think Ruth is a woman on a mission. And I think she has her eyes on the prize And I'm wondering if that's what's motivating her here. She should be praised for her commitment to God, the God who wasn't her God, and admired for this action because it kind of sets up the rest of the book that we're studying together. Because last week, John explained to us that if we're not careful, we can give Naomi a bad rep. She's the bitter one who maybe unfairly blames God for her life circumstances, which is, it is unfair, isn't it, if we read it in just that light purely, because if you put yourself in her shoes, she has experienced so much grief, so much loss, and so much pain. But today, I think we run a similar risk. If we reduce or minimize what Ruth does here in our story to a mere act of companionship, however special, however kind, however loyal it is, I will stick by my mother-in-law because it's the right thing to do. I don't think that's what we're seeing here. I don't believe it's a simple act of duty or practicality. I probably shouldn't leave you on your own. If Orpah's going to go back, then maybe I'll have to stay. It's not a case of, and we have this in our family, who's going to visit mum first? If you're not going, then I'll go. I think there's something much, much deeper here at play. My message today is simply not, and hear the word not, be more Ruth, although we need to be. Today it's about following Christ wherever he is calling you. It's to declare who your God is and fix your eyes on Jesus and go after him wherever he is calling you to go. What do I mean by this? Let me humor you for a moment. Have you ever come across these memes that we see where we are instructed to be more like someone else. You're looking puzzled, let me show you one. This is be more like Bill, okay? So this is Bill, and it's a stick drawing, and this is not mine, but probably that is the extent of my artistic flair. But Bill is about to eat. Bill is just going to eat instead of taking a picture of his food and posting it all over Instagram. Be smart. Be more like Bill. 
Or, let me show you one more, and I'm not endorsing this, I'm just making a point. This is Jill. When Jill goes to the gym, well, actually, Jill rarely goes to the gym. Jill finds it boring and intimidating, plus it's a lot warmer on the sofa in her PJs. Jill likes to exercise her right arm, drinking wine and eating chocolate. Are you sometimes like Jill? Be like Jill is the question they're posing. What am I suggesting this morning? At times when we study the story of Ruth and we study her character, and I've done this in school assemblies in the past, I can conclude that I need to be more like Ruth by encouraging us to be a remarkable friend. But actually, I think what's going on here is far more. It's a remarkable act of faith as well as friendship. So my message today is not be more like Ruth. It's if you see Christ at work, if you see God at work, follow him. Get involved, be part of the story, because I think that is what Ruth is doing. So I trained with SWIM quite a few years ago, Southwest Youth Ministries, and they have a mission statement that has stuck with me. And they pose to children and young people this question, this opportunity to encounter Jesus and then to make a decision to live for more. And I think that's what Ruth is doing. I think she has an encounter with God and then makes a decision to live for more, pursue him and go after him. So how do I draw this conclusion, you might be wondering. I think we see both Ruth and Orpah in the same situation. And I begin to wonder what might lead one of them to do something and the other one to do something different. We read in verse 11 that Naomi is urging them to go home, to stay at home rather. And she's saying to, to them, why would you even consider coming with me? And John was sharing with us helpfully last week that Naomi explains to them, explains to her two daughter-in-laws, I have nothing to give you. I am too old to give you another husband, and if I got married today, and then even had a son after that, it wouldn't be any help to you at all. And this causes them to weep together, Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth. And at first, they both deny Naomi's urging to stay put. And then Orpah kisses her mother-in-law, a moment of goodbye, a moment of embrace, and then walks away. And I think what's extraordinary is that the narrator in this story, and we thought together, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago about the significance of what the narrator tells us in the days when the judges ruled, that the narrator doesn't comment on this action. It's almost as if Orpah makes a decision and then she writes herself out of the story. And after that, there's no mention of her. She leaves the stage not to be seen again. But we don't read anything negative about her. We, we don't read a comment about what she's done. There isn't a sense that she has done the wrong action and that Ruth has done the right action. And sometimes when we study characters and we compare them, that's what we, we can think. But rather, instead, I think Ruth does something extraordinary. Because everyday logical decisions don't make the news, do they? so-and-so applied for university or so-and-so applied for a job, that doesn't go on record. 
Orpah here makes the logical choice. She returns or stays put. And that's the custom of the day. She returns to her father's household in search to remarry. And in a way, you could argue that Orpah's, she shows her love and her obedience to Naomi by doing what she asks of her, to stay put. If anything, Ruth is the one who makes the illogical decision that I want to suggest today is a faith-filled decision. Because Ruth says in verse 16, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. And I wonder what she's claiming here, what she's grasping at. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. I think today that this is a declaration over the land, something physical. Your people will be my people. I think she's knitting herself into the family. There's a claim to family and kin and relationship. And then she says, your God will be my God. And I think that's a statement of faith. She goes on to say that nothing will separate her, not even death. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. She is claiming company to the grave. And this is a remarkable statement, because what we need to remember or need to know is that Ruth is a Moabite. And in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3, we read that no Ammonite or Moabite or any other descendants may enter into the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation. So what does that mean? It's written into the law, it's written into the story and the narrative, and it's quite clear that a Moabite woman, including Ruth, by right, by nation, by law, was not allowed in the assembly of the people. She couldn't gather to enter to worship, so she's excluded because she's part of an enemy nation of God and Israel have this command to be pure, set apart and blameless. So here we have a woman who, by the law, is on the edge. She's excluded, but she marries an Israelite man and then through right, I guess, through marriage, gains access into the promise of God. Through marriage, the land, the people become hers. But this opportunity is taken away from her through the death of her husband. So do you hear me? She's almost in, and then that opportunity is taken away from her. So I'm wondering today, and I present as a question to you, whether we see a woman who has tasted and seen the goodness of God and does everything in her power to still be part of the story to write herself into the story. I'm wondering if she doesn't want to let go of the God that her married family worships. I'm wondering if she sees the image of God in Naomi. And I think she wants to cling to that, cleave herself to that. She's not parting from this. She has experienced something of God and now won't let go. And as I was thinking about this, it reminded me of the lady that we meet in the Gospels who has been bleeding for 12 years, non-stop. Do you know the story, the one I'm on about? She's 
we hear the hustle and the bustle in the Gospels of the crowd. And here is this lady that's been bleeding for 12 years and she reaches out and touches the garment of Jesus' cloak with her fingertips. And she's instantly healed. She writes herself into Jesus' story. And what's amazing is that Jesus stops knowing that he's healed somebody and asks the question, who has touched me? And you kind of hear the disciples saying to Jesus politely, Jesus, there's loads of people about, there's a crowd around you. Come on, let's just keep going. We've got to visit Jairus's daughter who's unwell. But the woman comes trembling before Jesus and says, it was me, I touched you. And he says to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole, go in peace. And I love that. There's a woman who is grasping, clutching, reaching out to be part of the story and she can touch Jesus with her fingertips. She's doing all that she can to hang on, to reach out, to receive his wholeness, to be part of the story. And I'm wondering in Ruth today if that is what's going on here. We have a woman of faith saying, I have nearly missed out already because I'm a Moabite. Being excluded from the assembly of God, I have tasted and seen something of your God. I know the promise of your land, your people, and your God. I am coming. Count me in. Because I think we see in the passage that Ruth is claiming her allegiance to Yahweh. Your God will be my God. This Moabite can worship your God. Because the Moabites worship a god called Chemesh, and I know I'm not saying that right because I don't speak any languages, but it's not the god of Yahweh. And she is saying, I'm going to leave this faith behind and worship your god. I think we see a faith journey at work. Her faith, I think, is personal and deep. I don't think it's like a chameleon. She's not saying, I'm going to live in your land, therefore I'll blend in and then I'll worship your god. I think it's something more. And why I think that is because in verse 17, she is claiming to be part of the covenant of God. She says, may the Lord deal with me ever so severely if anything but death separates me and you. So this is Ruth saying to Naomi and inviting God to bring punishment on her if they separate I think you have to know and have a relationship with God to call him or to be a part of or to make a vow in his presence. And I wonder then, what pointed Ruth to God? Was it Naomi's faith in the uncertainties and the difficulties and her experiences of life? Are they both an answer to prayer for each other? Ruth demonstrates God's unconditional, sacrificial love that is holding Naomi in her pain. But I wonder if Naomi is revealing the God of Yahweh back to Ruth, to the point she is saying, I have decided to follow and I can't turn back. Maybe this was your journey of faith as well, that you have seen something different in somebody, something so distinguishable that you've wanted to find out more. You've had a spiritual curiosity about someone, 
and you found them so appealing, but you've not known why, so wholesome, and then you found out that they're a follower of Jesus and you wanted to find out more yourself. Or maybe you had a turning point, a point that you made a decision and said, in effect, to the person who was leading you to faith, I'm in. I want your God to be my God. However you came to faith, I wonder if we see Ruth coming to faith. Because it's extraordinary, a Moabite woman saying yes to God and then is woven into his story. And then we see from that the genealogy of David, the promised king for a nation that are calling for a king, and then the ultimate coming of Christ. Ruth leaves behind her land, her people, her family, and her people's God, and follows and accompanies Naomi back to Bethlehem. I'm wondering if you can hear the echoes of Jesus' call, found in Luke chapter 14, verses 33. When Jesus says, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything cannot be my disciple. In an earlier verse, Jesus warns about the cost of discipleship, carrying our cross and following him. And here we see Ruth deny everything and follow Naomi and follow her God. Today, it is with great excitement that we hear Ben's testimony and that we come to baptise Ben today, where we will hear him declare his faith, his statement of faith, if you like, just like Ruth, as Ben says, your God is my God. We'll hear his testimony, and then later at Wembury, I'll ask him two statements of faith, which I hope Ben answers, I do. The first one being, do you confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Saviour? And then do you turn from sin, renounce evil, and intend to follow God? Today, Ben is saying yes to being a disciple of Jesus. He is saying yes to a lifetime of obedience that comes after baptism, following God wherever he is calling him. Ben is declaring, I will go where you go. Your people will be my people. He is saying yes to the family of God today, to being part of his church and he is saying, yes, you will be my God. Going through the waters of baptism, Ben is identifying in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, acknowledging his life before Jesus, making a decision to live for more, to live for him, coming out of the water as a new creation. And today, as I opened our service, we're in this in our calendar of faith, we're in this in-between stage between the ascension and between the coming of the Holy Spirit, where Jesus sends his spirit and empowers his church. And I think all of these things today are quite significant for us. The resurrected Jesus tells his disciples to go to Galilee because he is going ahead of them. And there's an invitation to meet him there. We see Jesus say to us, or bless his disciples, go up to heaven and promise his spirit to come. And Jesus is saying to us, cling to me, go with me wherever I am calling you to go. His spirit accompanies us. And in Matthew 28, we see the call on our lives to go and make disciples of all nations. And then the promises, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
today, Ben, and for each and every one of us here, my encouragement for you is to cling to Jesus. If you see God at work, just like Ruth did, then make a decision to go for it. Follow him wherever he takes you. Get involved and be all in. Today we have an opportunity to encounter Jesus, to make a decision to live for more. Because I think that's what I see Ruth doing. Ben, I'm going to uh, ask you to come now and share your testimony with us. Um, because today that's part of it, a declaration and a statement of faith. And then we're going to respond together to uh, both Ben's testimony and uh, this word this morning. And invite the Holy Spirit to empower us to live for more as we make a de declaration to live for Jesus ourselves. But Ben, come and share with us your statement of faith. Hi, I'm Ben. I was brought up uh, by Christian parents. I was blessed by this. Uh, they brought me to, every, uh, to church every week, which was where I first heard about God. Growing up, I experienced a lot of challenges. I was bullied, which led me to feel alone and have low self-confidence. As a child, I claimed to be Christian, as I heard of what God was, but I didn't know, I didn't know God for myself. I faced even more bullying as, I, as a consequence of being different. There was no extreme story of how I became a Christian, but there were blessings I experienced. Uh, I had a youth leader who helped me in discussion and understanding of theology, and I had a friend that I met in college which shouldered me through my faith, and I've been blessed by the Christian unions that I've been part of. I went to church in 2019, and during a service, I gave my life to Christ and then later declared it the same year. I experienced one of the um, worst lows I ever had um, just before the COVID lockdown. I was alone, and anyone that's experienced loneliness knows it doesn't matter who you have around you, but you still feel isolated. On the brink of it, I stared down at the life I knew and wanted to take another step closer. But in that moment, I heard a song in my head. You're not forsaken. I am who you say I am. I've experienced many difficulties with temptations and challenges in my life, but I've found that my faith has helped me go through this. I've experienced conviction, which has really helped me understand what I do wrong in my life, and, and my faith has helped me grow. I think, um, so, yeah, though I face hardship and sometimes... I'll face more as a Christian, as we hear uh, in Peter as well. If you are um, insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of the glory of God rests upon you. One of the things that's a real blessing to know is that we will never be alone. If you are feeling lonely, you will never be alone. Because God will use the experiences that you have had in your life. Just as I had through bullying... Now, this is something that wasn't a nice thing to experience, but God can use experiences that are bad and can use devastating scenarios such as Ruth again to bless you. So, although I experienced bullying, from a consequence, I had to justify my beliefs. I had to understand who I was, and I grew in confidence, overcoming the struggles that we experience as Christians. Um, we may... We, we, we may not always know 
why we struggle, but we know it is part of God's greater plan yet to be revealed. The disciples face doubt and discouragement by Jesus being sentenced to death, but we know that ultimately the death of Christ brought us mercy. And I think it's important to remember that no matter the hardships we experience in our life, God can change us through these experiences. And God is with you no matter where you are in your life. And I think through my whole faith journey, I understand that no matter where I am, no matter where I can't see God, I know he's there and he'll bless me. Ben, I'd love to pray for you now, and I invite others to, to reach out and to pray with me and for Ben. And I just want to give you this now, while we're not standing in some water. This is um, a book from on behalf of the church, and inside a card where we have chosen a verse for you, and we'll read that at the beach later. But it's a book on evangelism, because I want to honor your heart for evangelism and all that you've done with the CU and how God is using you. Um, but let me pray for you. Thank you for sharing your testimony with us. But let's pray for Ben. Father God, we thank you for his statement of faith today. He's saying yes to you, following you, pursuing you with his life. And I pray for Ben. Father, we thank you for his story, how you have met with him in the lows. Lord, how your spirit is with him. And I just pray that you would use him. Father God, you would use him mightily for your kingdom as he shares and has a heart for evangelism and reaching those who don't know you. Father, thank you that he is a child of God. Thank you for that, for that revelation. And I just pray that today he would grow in the knowledge of who you are calling him to be as he makes this declaration and statement of faith. And would us as your church cheer him on Lord, as he goes off to placement in another part of the UK and then returns to us through his studies at uni, Lord with Jesus, we pray that he's not only just learning and being equipped for life, but that you are growing him as a disciple. So bless him mightily, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. The band, come and join me because I'd, I'd love us to respond to um, Ben's testimony the encouragement that is for us, and to uh, the call of Ruth and the, and the statement of faith that she makes. I've asked the band to lead us in a song called Christ is Enough, and it might be new to some of you, but it's, it's a song that is a, a kind of a modern translation of the old hymn that says, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Because I felt that that is a declaration that we can make today about, uh, that we see and um, acknowledge in Ruth's life a decision to not turn back, to follow and I believe pursue God. So I invite you to stand with me now as I pray for us and I pray that these words that I have decided to follow Jesus would be not only Ben's words in his testimony today, that they would be our heart cry too. Say, uh, Lord, we, we're not turning back in the decision we've made. We want to follow you. If you see God at work, my encouragement this morning is to pursue him, go after him. 
encounter Jesus to make a decision to live for more. And I invite you today, if you want to receive prayer as well as we worship in the next couple of songs, as this is maybe your prayer, your declaration, that I have decided to follow Jesus. If you want a prayer of blessing today, like we see in the Ascension story, that Jesus blesses his disciples before he departs from them. If you want to be prayed for this morning, to be filled by the Holy Spirit, to empower you to do whatever it is that God is asking you to do, then our prayer team will be at the back uh, today or find a space and they'll come and pray a blessing over you. They'll lay their, their hands on you and pray that God would fill you with his Holy Spirit. Because I wonder this morning if this has spoken to anyone and if there's any words or any pictures that God is going to share with his church about going after something whether you've been given a word before or a thought before or something that God might be asking you to do and now maybe the time is to go for it or whether you feel like Ruth may have felt on the edge and a little bit excluded and you want to go for it and someone to pray for you this morning that you would feel be filled with the Holy Spirit you would encounter Jesus and that you would live for more. Because my encouragement this morning, church, is there is more of God for us. And it starts with making a decision to follow Jesus, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. Christ is enough for us. So if you need a blessing this morning of prayer or an encouragement that God would speak, lead and guide, then my encouragement is to go for it receive what he has for us today so father god we thank you that we can make a statement and a declaration of faith and that's not just words but you honor it by your spirit you are with us accompanying us on this journey so i pray we'd be like ruth this morning that we would go after your presence that we have tasted and seen the goodness of god and we know that there's more to come so father i pray you'd release your spirit bring words and pictures this morning, encouraging us to go write ourselves into your story as we grasp and we touch out to your cloak, asking for your blessing. Jesus, we want to live for you. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Let's sing together, but I encourage you to go and receive prayer and a blessing. Come and share any words or pictures with me now as we respond to God's words this morning.